0: You can also text the letters EWTN to 55000 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com.
1: A tremendous Monday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line, kicking off another great week. If you'd like to be part of the program, the number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833 288 Three nine eight six. If you're outside the United States and Canada, your number is one two zero five two seven one two nine eight five. And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line if you are outside of the United States and Canada at one two zero five two seven one two nine eight five. You can always send us an email open line at EWTN.com or you can text your question, text the letters EWTN to 55000, wait for a response, text your first name and your question message and data rates may apply. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, producing the program. Your call screener is Matt Kubensky and Jeff Burson, magnificent person handling our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host, as he is every Monday, Father John Tregilio, trying to win an Emmy with his very uh, stylish, all-the-rage, uh, blurred background. How are you, Father?
2: I'm blurred from coming back from Italy.
1: <laughs> did, you get a, did you get a slice while you were over there?
2: Oh, we had the best pizza, the best uh, linguine with clams, uh, you name it
1: what was the uh what was the atmosphere like uh as we uh, you know we're really starting to see significant signs of the whole covid situation winding down here in the yeah US. ironically uh
2: here at the seminary about a week before we left we had we got rid of the mask mandate because we had to wear masks through classes and masses and so that got away a week before and then we get to italy and you had to wear a mask everywhere inside uh the plane was eight hour ride you had to wear a mask for that the bus rides um, all the museums, very, very strict. And they even specified what kind of mask you had to wear. It uh, was some FFP2, which was equivalent to our K95 Five, or whatever. Yeah. Um, now, inside um, inside you had to wear the mask, except when you were eating. Outside, you didn't have to. But I would say they were much more strict... Uh, in italy right now than we are here in the united states but of course they got hit bad yeah with the first wave of the covid so i can understand that now how were the but people? i hear that march or i heard in a week or two maybe by april they're gonna re- release or uh, re- relax a lot of that uh
1: how, how were the people reacting generally speaking were they uh, were they out and about
2: oh yeah they were out and about shopping uh you know typical italians uh very friendly and uh Uh, But you could tell, like having United States, some people are over-cautious and some who are not so cautious. So uh, you see human nature is the same all over. You've got people who are real particular about themselves and in the application of that mandate to others. And other people were more like, eh.
1: (laughs) Was the subway running?
2: We didn't take the subway on purpose. Uh, I think, But the buses were running. A 64 bus was running. Um, People were not afraid to be... The social distancing thing doesn't seem to be still in force although everywhere you look there's stickers on the floor Yeah, saying, just, just like here. Uh, of course for them it's it's only um it's only 1 meter which is 3 feet. They don't observe the 6 feet like we mm-hmm. did here in the United States. Yeah, goodness.
1: 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It's a free phone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. You know, I'd be curious to know, Father, um, uh, we've started Lent since we last were together, and uh, been through Ash Wednesday, the first weekend of Lent. Uh, how do you treat the liturgical calendar in real time, so to speak, with your seminarians?
2: Uh, well, like we were we were in Italy for the um, Ash Wednesday itself and for uh, the first Friday in Lent. Uh, Ash Wednesday, uh, we went to uh, the Pope's uh, audience and uh, for mass we were going to go in the evening but pope uh, francis canceled his participation at the stational church which was Saint santa sabina yeah. so we everybody went to their own favorite basilica for that but uh we observed the the fasting and abstinence of course and i think it was much more special for us to be in rome for the uh, ash wednesday and for the first friday in lent because back home Obviously, it's a big event, but to be there in the center of Catholicism is even more special. And in Rome, they only sprinkle the ashes on your head; they don't put them on your forehead like we we do in the United States.
1: And so, so there's no real—it's uh, not part of the curriculum, so to speak, uh, when you come across these liturgical seasons to instruct them as future pastors how to handle these things.
2: We do have a course on uh, liturgical celebrations, and so there's where they learn about not just where the origin of, of Ash Wednesday comes in, but the practical liturgical implications of having a, a Mass with the ashes, and maybe services where ashes are imposed, where maybe the priest is unable to get there. So there's instances where a, a deacon or even a layperson can have a prayer service and impose ashes. Um, it's a little bit different, and obviously... Uh, we prefer people be able to come to the Mass, but as I always did as a pastor for 16 years, remind people, you're not here just to get dirt, so don't come up in line, get your ashes, and then go home. You know, you're turning your back on the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. So I said, I hope nobody here is going to embarrass themselves, their family, and God by getting dirt and then walking out of church. And usually that works. <laughs>
1: That's great. Hey, uh, you know, it, I had a, a really interesting experience uh With I don't know if you've ever met Father Chris Decker from the Diocese of Baton Rouge, was with Father Chris, and he uh, took us to uh, what I think has really been a newly, to a certain extent, revitalized seminary there in New Orleans, and um, he had some responsibilities there. And, And one thing that I thought was very interesting, that it makes perfect sense when you think about it, but... You just if you've never been to a seminary, you wouldn't think about it, and that is that <laughs> that there's essentially kind of a lab for the sacraments, huh?
2: yeah, there is I mean like what's really interesting is when um when the guys are learning how to baptize, <laughs> we have a little baby doll, <laughs> and we have the, them actually pour water on it um, we actually have them practice putting ashes on the foreheads um we have them go through the physical uh rubrics uh gestures that are uh, entailed and a lot of the times that's something that you know the theory and the and the theology explain but they physically have to do it just like a wedding you know how to you know uh, make the sign of the cross over the couple um how to bless the rings uh the the lot of you know you know hand-to-hand mm-hmm. stuff that needs to be done so we try to do both uh, the practical as well as the theological.
1: Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Um, those of you who may have been tuning in at the beginning of the program, it's been brought to my attention that we may have been running an evergreen episode briefly out of uh, uh, error, and uh, we are now back <laughs> okay. live, from what I understand. So you are listening to a live edition of mm-hmm. EWTN's Open Line Monday. Father John Tregilio is in the house. If you'd like to be part of the program, the number is eight three three. 288 ewtn That's 833-288-3986. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Tom in the great state of Missouri, and we've got plenty of open phone lines and plenty of time for your calls on this open line Monday at 833-288-3986. Father Victoria writes in and she says, does the case of the Immaculate Conception contradict free will? Did God lock in Mary's decision?
2: <laughs> uh, that's a question I wish seminarians would ask. <laughs> it shows a sign of a, of a keen mind. Uh, no, God never violates our free will. He offers us grace, but because he's God and he knows everything, he knew that Mary would fully embrace and accept the graces of the Immaculate Conception so he he didn't have to impose that upon her. He knew that she would. And he gave her uh, an infallible grace that would do what he wanted to be done without any violation of her free will. Because if without a free will, you're not a human being. So Mary and Jesus in his humanity, in his uh, human nature, he too had free will, which always had to be coincided with his divine will because he was the second person of the Trinity. So that's the mystery of... Of God's grace, particularly of the Immaculate Conception, that uh, God was able to affect this without coercing Mary.
1: And she was, uh, you know, obviously received special graces, uh, you know, upon her conception, but her formation throughout her life, her earthly life, played a role in that too, didn't it?
2: Oh, yes. I mean, St. Anne and, and Joachim were certainly pivotal in her Um, growing up and also her judeo um, background uh, and obviously the graces that god gave her not only at her conception but throughout her life
1: 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number 833-288-3986 it's EWTN's open line monday with father john tragilio
0: Send us an email to openline at EWTN.com.
1: You know, EWTN's Religious Catalog is your online destination for gifts and holy reminders for Lent and Easter. Buy Catholic, shop EWTNRC.com, and receive regular emails from EWTN's Religious Catalog. Simply visit EWTN.com and click on subscribe. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. One open line at 833-288. Three, nine, eight, six. First up is Tom in the great state of Missouri watching on EWTN television today. Tom, you're on with Father John.
3: Yes, Father. Hi. Uh, my, my question is, at the beginning of Mass, when the collect is read, the word one is taken away. At the end, where it says the Holy, United with the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. The word one God. Yeah, that was uh, a,
2: a... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And that was a recent uh, tweaking that was done by Rome for the English translation of the Roman Missal. Because there was a concern. Um, I don't think it was a extremely urgent one, but evidently the Vatican did. Uh, and they get to call the shots, um, that some people might misinterpret when you say uh, Holy Spirit, one God, that it was referring only to the Holy Spirit. And so to be more accurate and coincide with the other languages, the word one was taken out because we as uh, English-speaking Catholics understood that the one didn't refer to just the Holy Spirit. It referred to that there was one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but because of the language difference, say the difference uh, between English and Spanish and Italian and German and between the Latin and the Greek, um, you know, there is a, a slight variation. So to knock out all doubt, they w- remove the word one, which for us priests, if we're not using a h- fresh off the press h- new missile, we have to either cross it off with a pencil or mentally say, say you know, like I can't say that word one uh again, if it's the, it was there, and while it was there, I mean and, and even if a priest says it now, it doesn't invalidate, it doesn't make it illicit, but to be more proper, uh that's what the Vatican has asked us to do, and so we comply.
1: Thanks so much, Tom. We appreciate the phone call. Next up is Randall, a first time caller in the Queen City, Cincinnati, Ohio, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Randall, you are on with Father John Tregilio.
3: Father, thanks for taking my call. I love the program. Um, My question is, I know that uh, God has has guaranteed that the line of David would would, would always have a successor from David. And I was wondering who that successor might be today, or has it been erased, or what it was, the lineage of David today on the throne.
2: Okay, well, um, Jesus fulfilled the Messianic uh, prophecy and fulfillment so that uh, he reigns forever he never i mean he, he died but he rose so he is the the successor of king david and will always be that there's no one since he had no natural offspring uh obviously and since he's not still dead therefore he still reigns and so his kingdom the kingdom the davidic monarchy didn't die with him, it was fulfilled in him, and it continues in him. That's why there's no longer a Davidic monarchy to this day because it's still uh, enlivened through Jesus himself.
1: Does that make sense? That sure
3: does. Thank you, Father. I appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you. 833 288. EWTN is our toll free number. 833 288. We head next to the great state of Connecticut. Mary is in Connecticut listening to Veritas Radio. Mary, you're on with Father John.
4: Hey, Father John. Thank you very much for taking my call. Uh, We were fortunate enough to get a new car this weekend. I was wondering, I have holy water. Can I bless the car, or should I bring it to our pastor?
2: Well, um, I would say it'd be better to have the pastor, the priest, or the deacon bless the car because they have a, a a book of blessings but if in if in any particular case it's un, inconvenient or you're unable to get have a priest or deacon bless the car in the book of blessings they do allow for laity to ask for God's blessing the only difference is the lay people do not make the sign of the cross over any of the articles uh, there is a prayer that they say whereas the priest and the deacon they actually make the sign of the cross because they have holy orders But I don't think any priest or deacon is going to object they shouldn't. Uh, In fact, it's an honor for us to do that. So maybe you might might want to ask the priest or deacon beforehand, could you please bless my car after Mass uh, on Sunday?
1: How's that, Mary?
4: Mary, um, if I did want to, in case I can't get to have our priest do it soon, um, is there a way I could look up the prayer that I can pray to bless our car?
2: Yeah, the, the book of blessings I think is available in PDF form, you, electronically. Uh, I think you could actually get it off the internet, uh, and and you'll see that there's a little proviso in there. Uh, if there's no deacon or, or priest present, then the layperson can say these words. But again, uh, you would not make the sign of the cross. But in uh, a lot of those prayers, they don't even have the sprinkling of holy water as they do in the um, in the extraordinary form. Uh, I know priests and deacons still do that, but it's not required uh, in many cases in the uh, ordinary form. But if you want to bless the car yourself, especially if you know it's Monday and you want to have it blessed before the end of the week, which I would understand, um, yeah, you can get you can get that prayer off the internet quite easily.
1: Thanks, Mary. We appreciate that call. I think
2: That's- even I has that available.
1: Oh, very good. Thank you. Uh, on uh, That opens up a line for you, rather, at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. We're heading now to Miles, Ohio. Uh, Simon, a first-time caller, is listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. And, Father John, I think Simon is preparing for confirmation and has a question for you. Simon, you're on with Father John.
5: Um, I... I'd like to know what the things are to avoid and what the things are to embrace before confirmation.
2: Very good. Thank you. Okay. Like what?
1: Well, he's just going to tell you that his confirmation is coming up March 29th.
2: Oh, okay. I thought he was in the middle of a sentence yeah. when he got cut off. Uh, the things we should embrace, all right, are obviously – uh, the theological virtues—faith, hope, and love—the uh, cardinal uh, virtues—prudence, uh, uh, justice, fortitude, um, temperance—but also, you know, the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit—that you prepare yourself for them because obviously you haven't received them yet. But you did receive faith, hope, and love at your baptism, and confirmation is an extension fulfillment of your baptism. So, in preparation for your confirmation. What is asked of you is that you ask the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to help you uh, operate with as much grace as possible and to see that as a confirmed Catholic, you now have new responsibilities because beforehand you were con- still considered uh, in process, uh, uh, always a child of God. But as a confirmed Catholic, now you're, a- you're asked to act like an adult in the faith. Uh, You may not be legally an adult in the eyes of the state, but in the eyes of God, you're an adult in terms of you're practicing your faith as opposed to your parents making sure that you get to church and get to confession. Uh, You should want and do that yourself. But obviously, if you don't have your own means of transportation, you're going to need their assistance. But they shouldn't have to nag you and beg you to go to church or go to confession. Um, So those things you want to embrace. What you want to avoid are the cardinal sins, the seven deadly sins. You want to avoid occasions of sin. Those are persons, places, or things that might tempt us or lure us into sin. So you want to avoid evil and do good. Uh, the works of mercy, um, spiritual corporal, uh, these are very important. And I know lots of parishes ask the kids to do some ki- some type of uh, apostolic work uh, or ministry. Sometimes though, it becomes sort of like a merit badge thing, which we don't want people to think uh, when you do any apostolic work, uh, this isn't just service hours to get co- uh, confirmed, it's to show us that our faith must be put into practice. So as St. James would tell us, you know, faith without works is, is shallow, it's, it's, it's hollow. So I think you're on the right track and you're wanting to know, and just keep praying uh, for an increase uh, of the Holy Spirit when you get confirmed, and ask your patron saint, whoever you've chosen, to be there to help you throughout the rest of your life.
1: 833 288 EWTN is our toll free number. One line open at 833 288 3986. Jeff is in Dallas, Texas, listening on Guadalupe Radio. Jeff, you're on with Father John Tregilio.
6: Yes. Hello, Father John. Hello. Hi. Uh, hey. uh, I'm a former parishioner up there at Chippensburg under the late uh, Father Dave, who was a very good and holy priest. Um, Thank you. I have, I have a question for you. Uh, this happened about eight years ago, and it's sort of been eating at me lately. I, my father died. Uh, he was on his deathbed. I got there about three days before he finally passed. As soon as I got there, I asked him, I said, Dad, do you want to see a priest? He goes, oh, no, 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 I'm good. Three days later, he has a couple hours left it to live, and he looks at me and he says, I want to see a priest now. And I said, oh, Lord, what are we going to do now? <laughs> um, he was in a rural area, and he was under hospice care, so they did have a, a minister on call. He was a Methodist minister. So I called him up, and I asked him, I said, do you wear a collar? He says, yeah, I wear a collar. I says, well, come on down. I says, and uh, don't tell him you're not a Catholic priest. I says, just hear what he has to say. So my question is... Uh, Other than I prayed for his repose of my father's soul in purgatory, of course. Um, Other than that, how bad did I mess up, and do I have to? Is this a sin? Did I? Should I go have it confessed?
2: Okay. Well, I'm very sorry you lost your dad, and I know, you know, when my dad passed, how, uh, you know, that's a great loss. Um, So, and I want to assure you that I'll be praying for your the reposal of your dad's soul as well. Um, I would not say that you committed a sin, but I would say it was very imprudent, and um, I would encourage anyone who's listening or watching uh, not to do that, because um, as nice as it is to have uh, a minister come and show some kindness and pray, uh, they don't have the sacraments of anointing of the sick, they don't have the ability to to absolve sins through the sacrament of of penance and reconciliation. And they don't have the ability to give the apostolic pardon. Now, it's true, it would have been much better if your dad had agreed to have the priest come when it was, you know, plenty of time. But I know that people do that. They wait and wait, and then it's the last moments, and it's like, you know... But if you would have made a good effort to at least try to get a Catholic priest, uh, that would have been better. And then if no priest could be found to have someone at least pray with him, which obviously this minister did. But um, I would encourage anybody out there to always, always, always try to get the priest, even if it's at the last moment, it's worth a try. It's
1: EWTN's Open Line Monday with Father John Tregilio.
0: This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. We've got one open line for you at 833-288-3986. Colleen is in Quincy, Illinois, listening on the EWTN app. Colleen, welcome to the program.
5: Thank you. Um, I understand God is referred to as male, God the Father, which I love, and the church many times is referred as female, she. Uh, my question is about I don't know twenty years ago or so. Why did they in in the songs in the gather book um, when there is he for God in the song they change it they take away the sex and they say God or you know and that really bothers me. And why did that happen and when?
2: Well, I it bothered me too when when it happened because <laughs> I remember when I was in the seminary they made us sing those songs. And if you question, which I did, why did they change that? They said, well, we wanted to, you know, uh, respect the women and show that, you know, God is a spirit. And I said, I understand it, but it's divine revelation uh, because the word father, okay, has a very male connotation to it. Uh, It's not to say that motherhood is bad or inferior, it's just that God revealed himself as God the Father and being a son again, identifies with with, uh, a male identity because it's not son and daughter. Jesus wasn't both son and daughter. He was son. The father was father. Uh, And then they try to tell us, well, that leaves then the Holy Spirit as this ambiguous or whatever. That's not the case. But the idea of Holy Mother Church, uh, that she uh, is the spouse of Christ, and that um, when I talk to the seminarians here at the seminary, I say, we don't have a physical wife. But we do have a spouse. Our spouse is the church, and as a pastor, your spouse uh, are your parishioners. You have to love them as a husband would love his wife, and you know Saint Paul tells us very clearly that husbands are to love their wives, to treat them as they would treat their own bodies with respect, and care, and tenderness. Uh, but we have, we can't mess with revelation. So this idea of going just using the word God theologically, there's no problem with that, but in terms of revelation, that God, like the Our Father, um, if you just said God, you could do that, but it's not being completely authentic to what Jesus himself revealed. He says, this is how you are to pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven. That doesn't, I think, in any way, shape, or form uh, diss uh, women or femininity, uh, and especially, you know, uh, the Blessed Mother shows us, you know, the uh, the epitome, the the, the uh, quintessence of, of of womanhood and motherhood. Um, I don't feel offended as a man by that. And I don't think uh, most women I speak to f- are offended by God the Father and God the Son because they understand that that's been revealed to us. But God's not doing that to in any way. Because remember, Eve, the woman, was formed from Adam's rib. He, she wasn't something inferior to him. She was equal. Bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh is how Adam referred to Eve. They're, they were equal. And that's how they're seen in the eyes of God.
1: Does that help, Colleen?
5: Yes, I agree with all of that. Um, It's sort of frustrating that women, and not even women, and women in our church maybe, but more outside, that they just don't see that the Catholic Church values women so much. But that was totally unnecessary, because Jesus said, like you said, gave us our Father. And and will will it ever go back to that? Will they ever... Put the songs back
2: to how they were written the originally. Well, you know, that brings up a good point because, you know, at some point the American bishops were told by Rome to go through your hymns and clean them up. So there are some hymns that we just should not use. And yeah, they, 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 the Congregation for
1: the Doctrine of Divine Worship came down on that just in the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, so they made it clear that all those hymns that are ambiguous theologically or even inaccurately. You know, like, I know so many people love the hymn Amazing Grace, and I think it's a nice tune. However, there's a line in there that is very non-Catholic and very Protestant, you know, that saved a wretch like me. Um, that's Luther's theology, that human nature became corrupt because of original sin. Uh, the Catholic teaching that you know, we, we have beautifully defined by Trent says that human nature was wounded but not corrupted. So we're not wretches. God, We were always redeemable. We were not worthless wretch. We were redeemable, which we needed redemption, but there was, we were salvageable. When you're a wretch, there's nothing left. I mean, you know, that's why even Luther used this imagery of a dog leaving his business outside and then snow covering it over is how he envisioned grace working. Well, Trent says, no, grace is like a, a medicine that heals the wound, but only when you're still alive can you be healed. If you're dead, medicine won't do you any good.
1: God bless you, Colleen. We appreciate the phone call. That opens up a line for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Next up is Mark in Spokane, Washington, listening on our great affiliate there, Sacred Heart Radio. Mark, you're on with Father John.
3: Hello, Father John. Hello. Uh, Let's see. In the bread of life discourse... When the disciples started murmuring, they said, don't we know his father Joseph and his mother Mary? Uh, Didn't we grow up with them or something like that? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that show that Christ was still alive at that time? I mean, that Joseph was still alive at that time?
2: Uh, No, not necessarily, because you were always referred to by your parents, especially your father. So even though it was Jesus' putative or legal father, He was uh, obviously, you know, uh, Jesus, not his, he was his, um, I don't want to say stepson, he was his father. Joseph was the foster father of Jesus, but he was known as the legal son of Joseph. So he would always be referred to as the son of Joseph, even after Joseph had died. That was always a tradition, even back to more recent times when uh, my Italian relatives came here from Italy and Sicily. You'd always be referred to as the son of the father, even after, long after the father was dead because that was part of your identity.
1: Thanks, Mark. We appreciate that call today. That opens up another line for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's the number that Mar- uh, John used, rather. A first-time caller in the Big Apple, New York, New York, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. John, you're on with Father Tregilio. Hi, John. Are you there? I'll tell you Oh, are you there, John? (laughs) Let's try Marta. She is in San Gabriel, (laughs) California, listening to EWTN today on the Amazon Echo. Marta, welcome to the program. You're on with Father John. Thank you. What's your question today?
4: Um, My question is, Father, I have uh, uh, two children with... uh, one who is attending a confirmation class on year two, and a daughter, 23 years old, who is was selected by her her younger brother to be the sponsor uh, for confirmation. Mm-hmm. And actually, this uh, the since COVID, this program has is extended. It's now he's it's three years that he began. She her status, I would say. <laughs> quote unquote has changed since she first applied for uh for this um uh this very important um step um it, instead of having a um uh, living at her face she has sorted in the past and is uh moved out of the house and living with her boyfriend. Mm. Mm-hmm. We um, we only knew, we only knew by, by within a week. We did not have a chance to speak to her about it or if, um, there are parents. Now she affirms that she is, uh, living as first of all only friends, uh, because, and that they, uh, the reason is X reason, financial. Um, she still, uh, and and I believe, and I don't know how to talk to her about that. Even though she's doing that, that this is not okay. She's not giving a good example to my son. So mm-hmm. I don't feel she. I don't feel, and uh, my faith um, tells me that she isn't, doesn't qualify anymore. That she has disqualified herself to be a sponsor. But I haven't done this. Um, he is already due to be confirmed on May first, and and I am terrified about the situation that we are in.
2: Yes. Well, um, I I, I hate to say it, I don't think you're you're alone in that predicament. Um, there's still time if you and I would say, um, the person being confirmed, because you know, this is part of being an adult in the faith, you and the Confirmandi need to speak to your daughter and say, "Um, look, there's still time. I need you to be completely right with the Lord uh, all across, you know, theologically, but also sacramentally. And uh, this, again, even if she's not sleeping with the guy, it's still uh, impropriety because it's living as husband and wife, even if they're not sleeping together. It gives the bad um, um, example, so to speak. So she has time. She can, you know, not live with him. She can go back to being fully practicing Catholic. Um, But if she just says, no, I won't, um, I think, you know, morally speaking, you know, uh, they have to get a new sponsor. Because, uh, you know, even even if it's just one part of the faith that she's having difficulty with, it, it's, it's all or nothing. You can't say, well, I'm, I'm practicing uh, eight or nine of the Ten Commandments. It doesn't work that way. Um, but you don't want to do it in a mean way and say, you know, we're dumping you. You give her an opportunity to say, look, here's your chance. We need you from today up until the day of the confirmation uh, to be uh, at right with yourself. And then you're making a promise on the day of confirmation. You're going to continue. Your role as a, as a sponsor doesn't end on confirmation day it continues just like what it would a godmother godfather at baptism and how is she going to be able to you know be that sponsor and and be of support if she's living together with someone that's not her husband um so i would always be kind and charitable but also be very explicit and say we need you to do this to clean up 100 percent uh you know don't live with this guy until you're married um and uh, then you can stay as sponsor and remain sponsor. But uh, if she's unwilling to do that, then I think, you know, you, you have no option. You're going to have to have consider another sponsor.
1: 833-288-EWTN, that's our toll-free telephone number, 833-288-3986. Let's go back to New York, New York. I think John is with us now, another, as I said, a first-time caller listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. John, welcome to the program.
7: Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father. Um, so uh, my question is regarding some changes I've noticed in the Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recently returned to the Church after a 30-year absence. And, um, you know, the last time i had been to, to Mass prior to my return was in the late 70s, early 80s. And I notice now, um, I see that um, during the Mass, For example, the priest will say, Peace be with you. And then the response has always been, when I was going to church back, way back then, was, and also with you. Now I hear, and also with your spirit. That's been added. I I notice everyone is saying it, so (laughs) it it must have, I'm assuming it was added. And another thing I notice is people are holding up their hands. Something like you, you would see at a Protestant church when everyone holds their hands up during certain parts of the Mass, during prayer. And when, when, I, was, when I was a kid in the 70s or 80s, we never, I never, I've never noticed that, at least. and It was never taught to me in Catholic school, in 12 years of Catholic school. So has there been a change in, somewhere along the way, and am I required to follow that change as a Catholic?
2: Well, I'm very glad you, you called in and asked that particular question because I hear a, a lot on, on radio and television. Uh, first, there's a distinction made between the official uh, changes or tweakings that were made to the Roman Missal. That is the book that the priest uses at Mass. And it says what the priest is to do and what he is to say. So there's red print that tells him what to do, and there's black print that tells him what to say and the people's response has been tweaked a little to make it more accurately translated from the Latin. Because in the old, like you said, and I remember when I was, I grew up in the the 60s and 70s, and got ordained in the 80s, um, we were always used to saying, and also with you, when the priest said, peace be with you. Um, Under Pope Benedict's direction, the the Missal was tweaked so that it was translated in English more accurately and with your spirit, because that's what it literally translates from Latin into English, and then it also conforms to what the other languages say. Um, in the Creed, All right, uh, we, we, we used to say one in being with the Father in reference to Jesus. That it was correct, but it's more accurate to use the term that's now used, consubstantial, because it comes from the Latin word consubstantialem, or homoousios in the Greek, which means of one sub of the same substance. Okay, that was the big battle between Arius, okay, and the, the Council of Nicaea. Arius said that Jesus, the Son, was similar to but not equal in substance. So the tweakings that were done didn't mean that what came before it was bad, but it just meant that it was it was better now. It was more fine tuned. Those things we have no choice. We must embrace them, and I'm happy to embrace them because if as you see throughout the whole missal, the third edition of the Roman missal, as it's called. Uh, the language has been enhanced and improved and made much more accurate but also more reverent so places where the word holy was removed in the English it was restored in fact we have during the Eucharistic prayer the return of the word venerable and Jesus took in his holy and venerable hands uh, to add extra reverence to that so that is is non-negotiable now the raising of hands one is not suggested it required and it's not really proper uh, the priest is the one who raises his hands in the oran's position the holding up of hands is not the proper gesture nor is it holding hands during the our father these are things that sort of crept into um, the usage uh, by uh, the laity and a lot of the clergy and the episcopacy sort of looked the other way but when you look at the rubrics that's not the proper posture and, you know, it's fine if you want to do that privately when you're praying. But at Mass, we want people to be doing the proper gesture. So everyone kneeling when they're supposed to be kneeling, standing when they're supposed to be standing, bowing, uh, striking their breasts three times during the confidior. Uh, the raising up of hands, that's fine if it's, not, if it's outside of Mass. Because the Mass is the prayer of the Church. It's not of individuals. And the Church decides what my postures are as a priest and what the posture of the faithful are as part of the congregation.
1: Thanks so much, John. Good clarification question for us today. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Be sure to check out The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi tomorrow afternoon and every afternoon, Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on EWTN Radio. 833-288-3986 is the number to join us. Tina is in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, listening on Sirius XM Channel One Thirty. Tina, you're on with Father John.
8: Hello. Good afternoon, Father. Hello. Um, I my husband passed away uh, three and a half months ago uh, from cancer, uh, and uh, approximately you know forty two days before his death, um, we were told that he had one to forty eight hours had one day, to 24 to 48 hours to live, Um, so I had a Catholic priest come in, um, and then I had a Catholic priest come in a few more times after, Um, and the Catholic priest, um, you know, in French, um, uh, you know, did a prayer, uh, did the anointing, I I, I guess, Mm -hmm. on the oil on the forehead, and, um, you know, and, and at one point he told me, He's getting a free pass, and I'm trying to figure out what that means. I do pray for my husband's soul every day. Yes. Um, but I, I, I do want to know what, what what getting a free pass means. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my, my husband was not very conscious uh, at that whole time. He wasn't able to uh, take communion. Um, uh, so I, I, I'm wondering, you know his lack of consciousness and all this, what what does it really mean? Um, it's really, yeah. you know, heavy on my heart. Yeah.
2: Yes. Well, first of all, I want to assure you of our sympathies at the passing of your husband, and I'll be praying for his soul as well. Um, I don't like when priests use that terminology. I know they mean well, uh, free pass, and I tell the seminarians don't use that type of terminology, because there is the thing of the apostolic pardon that the priest is able to give when he's doing the last rites, but it, it's it's a plenary indulgence, and that's always always contingent on the spiritual state of the person. And just like in any plenary indulgence, you have to be completely free of all attachment, even the venial sin. And to be honest with you, we I, I think most of us still have some attachment to venial sin. We have some fond memories. Um, you know, we say, yeah, I'm sorry, but you know, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd ever do it again. Um, so. If there's not that complete detachment, even from venial sin, it defaults from a plenary indulgence, which is the full remission of temporal punishment due to sin, to a partial indulgence. So, since we have no uh, way of having moral and uh, metaphysical certitude, you cannot presume, although it's possible, it's possible that someone who gets the apostolic pardon is in the proper state that they could, in a sense, avoid purgatory, Um, but you cannot just presume because they got the blessing that they actually uh, were able to fulfill it. That being said, that's why it's still important to have Masses offered for our beloved dead, and if they're already in Heaven, it's not going to be a waste, because it goes back to the Treasury of Merit, and the Church can apply that to other people, but I don't want people to think just because their loved one got the apostolic pardon that it's a get out of jail free card, it's always contingent on their spiritual status, and it's not a, a disrespect to the, to our deceased loved ones to think, well, maybe maybe they didn't get the full plenary indulge, maybe it only was partial. Well, I, I would hope that at least I got partial, you know. It's nice to get plenary, <laughs> but if at least partial is better than nothing, that means they still need prayers uh, while they're in purgatory. So I would say keep praying for him. Um, it's not a waste of your time or effort. Have masses offered for him regularly, um, like on his birthday and um, on your anniversary day and just, you know, um, frequently. That's still something that's very good to do. But at the same token, I, that's why it's so important to have a priest come and anoint and give the apostolic pardon before the person's dead. That's why I want people to call the priest ahead of time. Don't wait till the day they're dying. Like you had there, he had a couple of occasions to receive that wonderful benefit.
1: God bless you, Tina. We appreciate the phone call. Next up is Frank in Park Ridge, Illinois, listening also on Sirius XM channel one thirty. Frank, you're on with Father John Tregilio.
3: Uh Hi, Father. I was just wondering if you were aware of what the Church thinks of the uh, the apparitions that took place of the Blessed Virgin in uh, in uh, northern Spain, called San Sebastian de Garabandal. She appeared to a four girls, uh, Concita Gonzalez, Maria Loli, Maidan, Jaquita Gonzalez, and Mara Cruz Gonzalez. And, she, and whether or not you are aware of it and what the Church actually thinks of it. Uh,
2: as far as I know, Garabandal was not condemned, but was not officially endorsed. So even with the endorsed uh, apparitions like Lourdes and Fatima, um... That means it's still private revelation, so you can still be a good Catholic and not believe that that happened. But those who are endorsed, that means the church has sanctioned them, they encourage people to go, and there's no problem with them. The ones that have not been endorsed but have not been condemned means you can go. It's just that the church has no official position on it. So I know like, people ask about some other apparitions, whether it's Garbandal or Medjugorje. As long as the official church has not condemned the apparition or the seers or the the people go, then it's okay. I just, as a priest, cannot encourage people to go to those ones that have not yet been sanctioned by the church. Neither am I to discourage them unless it's been officially disclaimed. Okay, and That's one of the things that people think it's either or. No, there's that middle ground where the church says we have insufficient evidence to make a judgment either way. And I think that's the case with Garbondel. So you can go, you can believe in it, but always be attentive to if there's if an official judgment comes down, like it did happen with Fatima and Lords, the Church has completely sanctioned it. But again, it's considered private revelation. So those people who say they don't believe Mary appeared in Lords are not bad Catholics.
1: And very quickly we'll head to Art in Covington, Kentucky, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Art, just a minute or two left with Father John. What's your question today?
3: Okay, Father John, this is similar to your question that you answered about secondhand confessions. I don't know if you ever like cowboy movies, but there's a cowboy movie made about 1940 with Henry Fonda, Fonda and Dana Andrews and such called the Oxbow Incident. And in there, these group of people, these cowboys are accused of wrestling cattle. Actually, they didn't. But they're about to be hung, and one, one says thought it was an actor that played of the Greek. He says that or he'd like to have go to the confession. Of course, there's no priest there, and somebody comes up and says, "Well, if you tell your confession to some to somebody else uh, in private, and then
1: it, yeah, and then go to a priest after the fact if you have the opportunity, does that count?" No. <laughs> Father, would you leave us with a blessing? <laughs>
2: Okay, Pater, et Spiritus Amen.
1: Amen. On behalf of our host, Father John Trigilio, our producer Michael McCall, call screener Matt Gubensky, and our social media Maven Mr. Jeff Person. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in to Open Line Monday. Back at it tomorrow with Father Wade Meneses talking faith, family, and fellowship on EWTN's Open Line Tuesday. Until we get together, then God bless.